Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is uh, Scott, and I'm here with Jeannie Dietrich, my old friend and fellow PR oh, Old in length of time, we've known each other, not old in years. Well, right? I'm, I'm, I'm both, but you're only <laughs> So, um, Jeannie uh, and her team at Armit Dietrich have... Um, and of course, Jeannie's behind the popular uh, blog, Spin Sucks, for many years. She gets up at five o'clock in the morning and writes her blog posts. And that's something that you can become a subscriber or member to. Remember? Yep, yep, yep. And, uh, well, Jeannie is for many years. When did you start Armin Dietrich? Oh, we started the PR firm in 2005. So this is year 13. Um, well, we just celebrated 13, so I guess this is year 14. And the blog started in 2006. And yeah, so you and I started blogging about the same time and you actually mm -hmm. made something of yourself and I did. <laughs> that is not true. We just took different paths. Um, in any case, um, so built a successful PR firm, um, has really been a, a thought leader in uh, PR and marketing and where, where the two have have been going and how they're coming together. And recently, uh, when did you come up with the PESO model? It's actually the process that we use internally and have for a very long time. And um, I read Built to Sell. And in that, have you read it? I haven't. It's pretty good. It, it's, it reads a little bit like fiction and, and it takes the, the life of an ad agency owner so you can relate. And he talks about how this ad agency goes from meeting to meeting to meeting and he goes into a meeting with a bank and the bank's like, yeah, I like these ads, but I'd really like a picture of a dog playing in the yard instead of, you know, like, and you know how clients are, they, they dictate what you put in the ad and the guy's like, oh my gosh. Maybe watching this, so we love you. We love you. Talking about the dog was great. But, but at the same time, we're hired as the experts for a reason. <laughs> so, right. So he talks about, you know, and then, and then the guy goes back to the office and he has to share the news with his creative team that they have to change the ads. And like, I mean, it's a, sim it's a very familiar story. And he talks through how to, to create a process that can be replicated so that eventually you can sell your business. And that's not necessarily my goal, but I wanted to create a process that could be replicated so that if I were servicing the client or our chief operating officer was servicing the client or an intern was servicing the client, the experience was the same. And at that point we were like, okay, well we already kind of used this process, but we hadn't put anything around it yet. And so we sat in a room together and we were like, all right, well we have paid, earned, shared and owned media. And of course we start with owned media and then move down, but but owned, the way we do it is OESP, but that's not very memorable. So we said, okay, peso actually people will remember. Just, uh, that makes sense in terms of how you started uh, putting this together, just kind of organically from uh, working with your clients and, and kind of putting together the pieces in a way that makes sense. Um, if you look at what you put together and what you're doing for clients and the peso model, how does it compare to PR, say, 10 years ago in 2008 compared to 2018? What are the big things that have changed that have, that have led to this new model? Well, I hate to admit that we're old enough to be able to talk about that, <clears throat> but here we are. Um, you know, I, until digital came about, I mean, PR was media relations, events, crisis, and reputation management. That was it, right? Um, so it's, it's completely been turned on its head. 
And now we have digital, we have content marketing, we have paid social, we have email marketing, all these things that we can do and should own, uh, take control of that give us a gigantic opportunity to make real inroads with organizations. And, you know, before we had awareness and brand shift change, and now we have, you know, generating warm leads and nurturing those leads and helping to convert them. And in developing the model, um, how has this evolution been, you know, been presented to clients? How have you kind of um, gotten your, your own team kind of coalesced around it? How have you uh, educated um, employees, the industry, clients to, to this new direction? A couple of things. Um, and just, we were going this route, I think it was 2009 may have been 2010. I don't remember exactly. I sat my team down and I said, this is what we're doing. And this is the strategic direction of the firm. And we're going to draw a line in the sand and say that we're no longer a PR firm because I wanted just to stop the phone calls from prospects saying we want to get in the New York times. I wanted to have really strategic conversations about integration. And so we talked about as a team, what that looked like and how people's roles were going to change and half my team quit. <clears throat> So that happened. What are, um, what, are, what are the reasons they quit? I'm, I'm curious because it's, it, you know, it's, a, it's a big challenge for a lot of people, both on the corporate and agency side in PR, that we were talking about before. A lot of people went into PR because they like the relationship piece. Right. Or, and right. and it's, it's evolved. It's become much more than what it used to be. Um, the ones who left, why did they leave? You know, I got, I got myriad excuses, but I think it really came down to the change. And, you know, you, I had people who were really great at media relations or who were really great at events. And I was pretty much saying to them, those things are going to go away. And I expect you to enhance your skills and learn new things. And for some people that's really exciting. And for some that's not. What about someone who um, says, well, I like working at an integrated agency, but I'd like to work on a team where I can specialize in this area of media relations. Someone else can do the digital part. Someone else can do the social media. Is there a place for that? Or to, to what extent, in other words, just because you uh, really love media relations above other things, does that mean there's not a place for you anymore? No, I think, I think there absolutely is. And, you know, in our organization, they'd be on the earned media team. They're still responsible for integrating and working with the other teams. But yeah, we definitely, we, I mean, our teams, our team is set up by the media type. So they would still be on the earned media team. They would be expected to do some search engine optimization and, and earning links to the website and things like that. But yeah, they would definitely still be doing media relations. Mm -hmm. And so talk about after that, that big strategic shift, and kind of rebuilding from there based on the new strategy. Um, what was that process like? And what was it like with, with clients? Were clients, I, I assuming some clients were probably already there, but a lot of them were still coming to you with, with older ideas of what PR is. Um, yes, a lot of our clients were already there because we were already implementing it. And you know, I didn't take this kind of risk without knowing that I was gonna have, I was backed up 
you know, from a client's perspective. Um, so most of them are already there. And what we discovered is that, you know, in the beginning, and this will sound familiar to you, clients wanted to know media impressions and advertising equivalencies. And we were like, Oh, for heaven's sakes. Okay. So we would report that, but then we would also be reporting the things that really mattered. And after a time, clients would say, yeah, we don't need those numbers anymore. And we knew at that point that we had finally won the battle or the war actually, um, which was phenomenal. And we don't have a single client who even asked for that anymore. The other thing it did is because we drew a line in the sand anytime and to this day, anytime a prospect calls and says they're looking for a PR firm and they have a book launching and they need media relations or they need speaking engagements or, you know, we're, we're launching a new product and we need this. We don't do it. We just say, you know, we're not, not the right fit for you. Um, and we'll refer the business on to somebody else. Yeah, that that's uh, it's amazing. The, the amount of change in such a short period of time and only, yeah the ramifications of that for individuals' careers, for, for clients. Um, <clears throat> why don't I, for a minute, I wanted to talk about how organizations, uh, client organizations, are changing as a result of, uh, of the changes in the industry. But <clears throat> first, let me put the, the model up. Uh, sure. I'll do screen share, and you can walk everyone through it. Truly even though you know it kind of goes the it goes clockwise around the peso model truly you're you're starting at that six o'clock perspective with owned media and owned includes and anything that you own and i don't include shared media in that because from even though you're creating content to share on social it doesn't you don't own where it lives so i don't count that in there so owned media is blog posts it's podcasts it's videos that you've produced and, and host on your website. It's um, white papers and eBooks and you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and then we move into earned, which I think is the second most important. And that is traditional media relations, but it's, but it's also some search engine optimization because you are earning links to the website through contributed content, your guest blogging, your uh, ghost writing, your you know, doing those kinds of things contributed content's a really big piece of it because that allows you to attribute your efforts to um, communications. And then we go into shared, which is, you know, just getting it out there and promoting it and, and doing all that. And then paid gets into things like affiliates and email marketing and paid social. You know, you're not going out and creating Super Bowl ads, but you're doing you're, you're amplifying the work that you've already done. And when you do those four things in concert, you become the authority. You become the authority uh, in search rankings. You become the, the authority in your industry. You become the authority, you know, all, all around. You are seen both from humans and the algorithms that you are the most um, authoritative on the topics for your industry. So that, that's how it all works. So you really, the, the big, big goal is to become that authority because the authority then drives your search rankings and your warm lead generation and your conversions and all that, those kinds of things. Um, can you talk about maybe, maybe given a, a good example um, from your, from your clients of where you kind of brought all these things together uh, to kind of have that synergistic impact versus having something that's more fragmented or, or where a client is focusing on one as opposed to all four? Yes. Um, we only do B2B work and it's manufacturing. So it's the driest of the dry. Um, but I love doing that work, A, because clients pay their bills 
and they do so on time and I don't have to wait 120 days to get paid. So that's good from a business perspective, but also they let you take some risk. They let you try some things that are new and interesting. And so we have a, one client who only has three customers and they're outside of the United States and they will never grow beyond those three customers because of the um, partnership agreement they have with their parent company. Mm. And so we have to be very focused on really um, talent recruitment and um, working with city and state governments where they want to build new facilities. So we do that through, you know, the, um, the CEO blogs. And so he has his own thought leadership education piece. And that, it, it, that does both, both externally and in, internally because they have almost a thousand employees. And so they're able to see his thinking and his thoughts every day because he's blogging every day. Um, and then we use that in LinkedIn and we, we then use LinkedIn to promote that content, but also to promote job postings. Um, and so we're able to really correlate new talent recruitment to all the efforts that we have from an earned media perspective. They open a, they open new facilities every 18 months or so. And so we'll do a, you know, we'll do the traditional sort of media relations where you have the ribbon cutting and then you have the groundbreaking and you like, you have all the stuff that leads up to the opening. And the big goal for that is to get people into jobs as fast as possible. So we do a lot of, when we do our media relations, we make sure that there's really strong anchor text that's keyword focused that brings people back to the website so that we know the Cincinnati Inquirer actually drove 50% of our talent and you know we were able to close we were able to hire 90 percent of those so we know exactly which media outlets work for us and it's been kind of fun because we'll be able to say you know somebody will say well i'd really like to interview the ceo on this and we're like yeah because we know there it's not really going to do anything for us or if you're the cincinnati inquirer yeah you can have anything you want because we know that 90 percent of the people you bring to us we're going to hire um, so it all sort of works together in tandem for those two goals, either um, talent recruitment or building the relationship both internally and externally. That's great. That's a great, good example. Um, and as, as you know, you know, well, gosh, back in the day when I was in corporate communications, um, you know, corporate communications and marketing and sales were all very separate departments. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they talk about sales and marketing alignment mm-hmm. today. I mean, it mm-hmm. was it was a, a real um, it was impossible then, and and I think that um, today, um, you know, you're still looking at uh, organizations that have a have a really hard time, uh, often kind of aligning around shared goals and certainly shared strategies or shared tactics and. Right. So when you look at something like uh, the peso model, um, it's something that um, you, you know it, it's it's something that um, impacts and needs really buy-in and involvement from from all of these parts of an organization. So working with working with companies, um, what I guess what do you advise them to do uh, in in terms of being able to um, take advantage of an integrated model like this and, 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 you know, I guess how they work with you. You know, case studies work really well. Um, but one of the things 
I, I'm going to give away this secret. One of the things that we do is we require a two-day strategy session with new clients. Mm -hmm. And we do that for a couple of reasons. One, because uh, when you meet with a prospect, even if you meet with them several times, the information that they give you is not always fully baked. And they don't necessarily lie to you, but they don't give you all the information you need to be able to make an informed decision about create, crafting a plan. Um, and a lot of executives will hire a communications firm and say, okay, go and do your thing and make us a lot of money. And you don't really know until you get inside the organization if there's something cultural or operationally that has to be fixed first. Or if, you know, you, so we require this two-day session and we require that the executives are in the room for part of it. And what it does for us is it gives us enough information to make really smart decisions and customize a real communications program for them that's based on the PESO model. And it also allows us to educate them on how we work, but you also have buy-in from the executive team immediately instead of trying to you know, get started on the things that you know will work, but you know, you have that 90 day, 60 day or 90 day ramp up period of doing all that stuff. And so because we require that when a prospect comes to us and says, we really just need media relations or speaking engagements or event coordination, we're like, yeah, that's not how we work. This is our process. So it, that when we started doing that, we saw a big shift in the types of clients we were able to attract because and, and it's hard, like, you know what it's like, you're running a business and sometimes you're like, I actually would really like to work with this client and they seem really fun, but if they don't go, if they won't work through our process, we don't do it. Well, let me ask you, so you've, <clears throat> as you um, shifted strategy, you, you reorganized your business and you've got, so your um, paid, earned, shared and owned have you organized your staff in that way around teams for each of those four? Yep, we have. Yep. And, and of course, a lot of agencies <clears throat> um, might have um, uh, PR, digital, other things, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. PR, there's marketing. Um, but if you look at something like um, this PESO model, if you, if I were the head of a, corporate communications or corporate marketing department, um, how might that or how should that impact how, how I organize my function? Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging question because I think it is a cultural shift because m many organizations, I would venture to guess that a majority of organizations are siloed and it goes back to the marketing and sales piece of it. Like, you know, you have the marketing and sales team together in most organizations, which just still blows my mind. Um, and then everything falls up under that. And in a lot of organizations, communications reports into HR, which also blows my mind. So you have these silos. Or to the CFO. Or to is, the CFO, right? Which is why they never get any money. Yeah. <laughs> and you have all these silos where they're not actually talking to one another. So it is a cultural shift. And it's just the same cultural shift that I had where I said to my team, this is the strategic direction I'm taking this organization and half my team quit. Like I, I did not expect that at all. And so there's, there's a piece of it. I remember reading, I can't remember the name of the book, uh, Richard Bagnell's book a few years ago, he worked at Edelman. And one of the stories he tells in the beginning is that he was actually in Chicago 
and he was having a conversation walking down the street down Michigan Avenue with Richard Edelman and said, you know, I really believe that things are shifting and that digital can't just be an add-on um, department. We have to integrate and we have to do all these things. And Richard Edelman said, I agree, but for us to do that is cost prohibitive. And so, you know, which I get, but so there is, there is that piece of it that from a culture perspective, if you're not already set up where departments are talking to one another and sharing information and you have an organizational wide project management system that works for everybody, it's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, corporate communications, um, having d done that job for most of my career, uh, you could typically, you know, you'd have three masters. One would be the finance side if you mm -hmm. were public. Um, mm -hmm investor relations and investor audience. The second would be the internal audience, employee communications, working mm -hmm. with PR, and the, and the third mm -hmm. would be marketing. Yeah. And But often the PR didn't report to marketing. It would report, right. as you said, to HR. It would report to CFO, to IR. Um, and so it, it led to a lot of, um, uh, I think, misalignment between, between communications sure. and marketing. Um, I always thought in terms of just kind of looking at how you reorganize, looking at how our firm is reorganized over time, uh, and looking at what could or should happen within marketing organizations, you know, I've always thought that maybe a simple thing to do is to have um, brand PR be separate from corporate PR. So the, the PR that's designed to drive growth is mm -hmm. separated is separated mm -hmm. from the PR that's designed to protect your reputation, yep. manage things in a crisis, communicate to employees and investors. Um, that, that to me, that's a, at least one example of how a, um, an organization could maybe try to align more around audiences than around functions. Yes. And I think at the same time, you still have to be integrated and working together and sharing information because right. I mean, from a corporate perspective, if you're in the middle of a crisis, the first place people are going is social media. Right. That's true. That's true. Well, Jeannie, this has uh, been really insightful. This is a, uh, really an important shift that um, all agencies are realizing they have to make. They may be behind the curve on actually doing it. And the same is true for marketing organizations on the corporate side. Um, it's happening everywhere. And I think what's great about the PESO model is you've really broken it down in a, in a way that um, with all of this change and all this perceived fragmentation, you've kind of brought it back together for people in a simple way, in a simple model for people to understand. So um, I'm, I appreciate you doing that and, and, uh, and also sharing, sharing the ideas, your ideas with us um, today. It is my pleasure and I'd do anything for you. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks Jeannie.